0: All right, well, let's take a call. We've got a caller that's been holding. we got an email to get to, and I, of course, have some more questions as well. So, hi, you're on Talking Animals with Phil Jenny.
1: Hi, I have a quick question. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was out in, a, in a rural area, and uh, it, I found a, a bird. It turned out to be a blue jay. Uh, it was on the ground. It was obviously a, you know, a fledgling, and uh, I have two large dogs, so I couldn't leave it there you because know, they go out in the yard. So I kind of took it in, tried to feed it, and then I didn't realize I didn't have the right, you know, so I called, uh,
2: uh, I found a, a woman who does rehabilitation. She used to work at Bush Gardens. At, um, but what my question is uh, I've heard since that, you know, sometimes fledglings, the, the mother bird
1: will feed it, you know, while it's on the ground. So what should you do? Is that, is that the appropriate thing to do? Should you leave the bird alone? Or, you know, what's the proper protocol there?
0: Thanks for a good, good question. Thank you. Yeah, that's a
1: great question, and it's, it is, that is the moment when, uh, songbirds especially are most vulnerable. They get right. kicked out of the nest, because if you look at a blue jay nest, and then you think about three or four eggs in there, there's no way they can all be in there, right? So, mm-hmm. at a certain point, the parent puts the, uh, puts it down onto the ground, really, and, uh, and it's vulnerable. There's just no question about it. At the same time, it, it should be left alone, because, um it, it, You know, it's nature's way, and in some ways... it's uh, the parents will be caring for and protecting that animal as much as they can, and right. um, the odds there are better than the odds of you know picking up all the stress that accompanies uh, uh, right. capturing a wild animal and then trying to feed it food that it's not used to eating. So, so in that in that fledging period, that's a that's a really good point, and that's uh, people are. Certain species, robins, for instance, stay on the ground Mm -hmm. all the time. So they're really uh, vulnerable. Um, But the best thing is to just watch it and uh, hope for the best. All right. Well,
0: thank you for that. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. And we got an email here that says, uh, "I'm from Minnesota, and you're making me feel so proud of the University of Minnesota." And it goes on to say, "What is the largest animal that you've taken care of, and how far away did these animals uh, come from?"
1: Oh, that's another great question. We, we get animals from six hours away. We we had a, a bunny that came in yesterday from two hours uh, uh, away. Just somebody driving a, a baby rabbit from. you know, two hours away. Wow. The largest animal we've admitted actually was a full-grown deer um, that's... uh, (laughs) It's actually kind of a... A scary story. A woman hit the deer, uh, in a town called St. Cloud, about an hour and a half from here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it turned out she was a vet tech, though, so she was somewhat familiar with handling large animals. But she, yeah. she bundled it up in the back of her car and brought it in and was waiting for us when we got there in the morning. And, and the, the, uh, again, it was a story of suffering. She knew the, uh, that the deer uh, was going to die and that she didn't want to just leave it on the side of the road, so she brought it in and we euthanized it. We have treated bears. Um, the most common uh, large animal is actually the trumpeter swan. They weigh about uh, close to, you know, 30 to 50 pounds. They have 8-foot wingspans. They're, uh, in in our parlance, mean, and they're hard to treat. Though. Oh, wow. um
0: <laughs> that's a lot of challenges in one uh, one bird, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And but but generally, bears and and uh, and deer. We don't see a lot of adult deer, um, but we'll also treat uh, bobcats and uh, and uh, coyotes, fox. Um, it, it's interesting, though, that none of those animals are actually as big as they look. You know, they try to look bigger to be uh, mean-looking in the, in the wild. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're you know, a full-grown fox is 15 pounds. You know. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I guess a bear. I would hate to get in an argument with a bear about how big it is and uh, be wrong. Yeah. 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 No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So something you just mentioned, reminded me about um, challenges and earlier when you're talking about like COVID and how you had this kind of restaurant yeah. buzzer kind of thing. Let's talk a little bit about HPAI or highly pathogenic avian influenza and kind of what challenges that's currently posing for the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Minnesota. Well.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably our biggest challenge that we probably faced in my 20 years. To be honest with you, it's been a much bigger challenge for us than even COVID was, because it really, in the it's COVID on steroids for waterfowl. Wow, I mean, this is this is a severe disease that's easily transmittable and and creates just horrible um, deaths for the animals and um, and because it in wild birds, it's in some cases anyway, it's also asymptomatic. So and we're really now at the point where we set up a separate um, veterinary admin area for um, what they call susceptible species. And those species, uh, the United States Department of Agriculture has this Aphis. It's called. It's a it's their um, interface between um, uh, disease, uh, transmissible disease between, say, the. the poultry industry and the turkey industry and wild animals. So they have a whole list of the, of the animals that uh, uh, are on this species list. So what we're doing is when somebody comes up to the door, their the greeter will ask them if they know the species, if it's a waterfall species, we will actually not have it enter our building even because we don't want it uh, to compromise the care of everybody that's already in there. And then we take it around to the back, and if it's one of these um, species, uh, uh, susceptible, Species, we actually will euthanize it, um, and then we're working with the. Just sorry, sorry
0: to interrupt, Phil. Euthanize it at that point because if it's clearly contracted the HPAI, there's no real hope of recovering from that, and therefore the other risk on top of the fact that they're not going to recover is the. Sounds like it's super uh, contagious.
1: Yes, and of the of the patients so far this spring that we have taken in and had to euthanize. Seventy-five percent of them did test positive. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's really, really a tough decision. It's really tough on our veterinarians. Yeah. Um, But you can't, it it would be both for us. We don't want it. The the Tri-State Bird Rescue in in Delaware actually had a um, positive case in their facility, and um, the USDA shut them down. Thirty days. Wow. So um, yeah. So that's... for us, in the next thirty days, we'll admit four thousand animals. Yeah. Think about the
0: the implications
1: the, the, are gigantic. Horrible thing. Yeah, yeah. So so, but it's you know that's not an easy thing to do. Um, no. And it's also zoonotic. Now, this this year's, um, uh, you know, they have all, they've got numbers just like COVID did. Sure. And this particular virus does not appear to be zoonotic, which means traveling from the patient to um people mm-hmm. there have been a couple positive cases in southeast asia but it really really ran through europe um just uh, devastating some of the wild animal flocks there and um and there were no cases so far of it spreading but we also are very, very concerned about that. So we don't want people to be um, exposed to it as well. So, and, and this virus also seems to be more susceptible to the backyard birds. Backyard, you know, there's so many people with chickens down their backyards and right. and turkeys and stuff. And, and this virus is definitely hitting those particular um, species as well. Oh, wow. The last round of really... Um, what we call high path avian influenza in 2015 seemed to mostly come from the the poultry industry, and it was spread from farm to farm. This one is is uh, definitely proven that it's being spread by um, wild waterfall. Wow. so um, so it's a little different
0: than the 2015 strain yeah boy but it sure sounds uh, potent and, and uh, the uh, again the risks and, and the implications are huge and, uh, and scary
1: yeah yeah and it's challenging on so many levels you know it's our our staff didn't become wildlife veterinarians to put animals down you know sure. So, here they are having to. Now we're not anywhere near what you'd call mass, <laughs> um, uh, what the what the industry calls culling. But you know the the turkey farmers, and they are culling whole herds. Then you have the uh, the challenge of of communicating all of this to the public, um, and who thinks, well, why are you? My duck looks perfectly healthy. Why does why is it getting? euthanized well you know they could be asymptomatic there is no um current uh rapid test yeah so it's not like you can test it right away that's sure. one of the things remember in the early days of covid that was right the deal um and uh, we're we're still uh several months away i think from any of that happening oh wow. and there's no there is no um treatment for it so it's yeah. a very, you know, there's a lot, so of you have to, a lot of people involved.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you have to kind of guess if this particular bird has it. And if you think the bird has it, which may be an educated guess, but it sounds like in many cases it's still a guess, then you feel compelled that really the right course of action is to euthanize it. But you don't know for sure, but you do know for sure if it is if it does have the virus, you can't take that risk of having that bird be around or continue or be treated there or anything else. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yep. That, that, yep. That's a complicated, uh, I mean, that's like every door has something awful behind it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's its challenging to be sure.
1: And, and you know, you want to do, we're working with all of the, the other agencies, the Board of Animal Health and all those, were, were only permitted by U.S. Fish and Wildlife and the DNR, and they have not said... You have to do this or do that, but you know we're we're trying to be uh, responsible to the larger wildlife community, which also is a little different. Our our thing has always been we're not involved in population medicine, right? That yeah. that's we don't care how many of this there are and how many of that there are. <laughs> we're only concerned concerned about that one patient, right? At that moment, and, uh, yeah yeah at that moment. so this is a little different too, because uh, we're a lot of our actions are motivated primarily by making sure that um, we're protecting more animals yeah. and uh,
0: keeping them out of harm's way. So. For sure. Wow. Big challenges of, of all different kinds. Yeah. So yeah. this is Talking Animals of Duncan Trust. My guest is Phil Jenny, longtime executive director of the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center of Minnesota. We're in our final moments of chatting with Phil, but if you'd like to uh, join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org or texting 813 885 we invite you to do so. One thing I want to be sure to mention before we done, I mean, you've talked about We've kind of alluded to various things that are provided on your website or, and or on your Facebook page. But one thing that's on the website that I find myself enchanted by is the critter ticker. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, maybe you could describe that, and then I might read a couple of things that seem to be intakes from today so far.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, we we found that people are always interested. You know, they're in the building, and they while they're there, you know, three different species, maybe one they've never even seen before, it comes in. So we found that people are interested in in kind of our daily admits. So we we uh, connected our website to our intake. Um, database, and now it's just a, a running, uh, ticker tape. Yeah. Of, of the animal that comes in and, and what it is. And, you know, in, in mid May, it, it, you might have, you know, 12 baby bunnies in a row, you know? Yeah. But it's really interesting. we found the media covers it very carefully too, and we'll get calls now from the media and say, "Oh, we saw you got this and what what's the story on that? Is there a story there sure um so we we just found it and then it's archived too, so you can look back at any any given day uh, and and find out what we took in and We just found it's a it's a nice way to share the variety um of species we get yeah. um, in a really um, a, a real time and it also gives you, you can see, you know, like at, at, at uh, what is it, 10 here in our time, it's 1048. And when we're really busy in the summer, uh, there might be 15 animals at sure. 1048. Right, so. yeah.
0: No, it is, it's really fascinating. And again, the website for folks listening who want to check out all the information there as well as the uh, critter ticker, it's wrcmn.org. And uh, Phil, I think we have just about reached the end of our time. It's uh, always great chatting with you and i hope to do it again hopefully not nine years down the road like this time has been and there's some things we didn't get to that i was hoping to so we'll save those for for our next conversation so again we've been speaking with phil jenny executive director of the wildlife rehabilitation center of minnesota and again one more time the website is wrcmn.org or you can search for their facebook page and they're also on instagram as well so phil thank you so much for joining us again on talking animals yeah thank you duncan talk to you soon you bet thank you bye In a moment, I'll speak with Rochelle Stewart of Tiny Acres, Northwest Florida, in Santa Rosa County, offering her perspective on the horrible situation last week in which a donkey named Jack got loose in Santa Rosa County and was shot and killed. Details on that in just a moment. Right now, we're going to stick in the Comedy Corner with Josh Gondelman with a piece called We Adopted a Pug in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. I
3: had a pretty good 2017 despite 2017, and (laughs) I'm here to tell you a little bit about it. My wife and I adopted a dog that's very exciting for us. Yeah, oh, thank you. She's a pug, so scientifically she shouldn't even exist, so every day's a miracle with our little dumpling. If you can't imagine a pug from the name of the breed, it's one of those dogs, looks like a loaf of white bread with a face smushed onto the front slice and a butt smushed onto the back slice. And if you've never hung out with a pug before, it's kind of like if that loaf of bread came some of the way to life, that's our vibe. She's so cute, I love her so much. Her name is Busy, but it wasn't always. When we adopted her, her name was Daisy, but we didn't like that, so we switched it to Busy. Which is very rude of us. Because when we adopted our dog, she was eight years old. You guys get that's middle age for a dog. That's like meeting a 56-year-old human and going, what's your name, Deborah? Nah. I'm gonna go ahead and call you Barbara. Hope that works for you. I mean, you better be cool with it because I control all the food and water and you're too small to reach the doorknob, so. Anyway, Babs, I was thinking. (laughs) Let's get you into your Halloween costume. And yes, I know it's January, but I'm sad right now. So for the next several hours, you're gonna be a ladybug.
0: All right, that was Josh Connerman. Today's comedy corner of the piece called We Adopted a Pug. Taken from an appearance on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Now it's time to speak with Rochelle Stewart about the donkey who got loose last week in Santa Rosa County and got killed, unfortunately. A donkey named Jack, we should hasten to point out. Here's Rochelle Stewart on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Rochelle.
2: Good morning, Duncan. How are you? Thank you for having
0: me. Uh, thanks for making time. I know you're juggling a bunch of stuff there at the rescue, so I appreciate it all the more. So speaking of which, why don't you quickly give us a, a little overview of Tiny Acres Northwest Florida. What is it and what is its mission?
2: Sure. So Tiny Acres Northwest Florida was actually brought about based on the local need for equine assistance with abused and neglected horses. So Tiny Acres' mission is to adopt out neglected and abused horses that we have taken in from Santa Rosa County and our neighboring counties and we try our best to promote equine welfare for our community and to do the
0: best for our horses that we can. Sort of that hooks right into it. First of all, you are, as I've noted earlier, located in Santa Rosa County, which was really rocked by this awful incident I've alluded to. So while you and Tiny Acres obviously had no direct involvement in this tragedy, you did report on it in some social media posts, which I thought were really uh, well done and clear and and uh, captured kind of the situation. So can you just sort of briefly summarize what happened? So.
2: As- a local horse rescue for Santa Rosa County, it is our job to promote equine welfare, and whenever we were contacted by a local community member that there was, um, it's actually a mule, but everyone's calling it a donkey. I do believe the police report calls it a donkey as well, so we'll just go with donkey, but um, since it was reported to us that he was shot and killed, he was brutally murdered for no reason, we did have to make a post and try to promote some awareness about the situation, so last week on the 12th, a livestock officer who is no longer, um, The livestock officer was called out to assist the sheriff's department to catch this loose donkey mule. And instead of actually arriving with the tools that he needed to provide his service, he arrived with just himself, his truck and his gun. So it ended up being that he chased this donkey about a mile to a mile and a half down the road with his truck using a pressure and release method, which is not the correct way to use the method, with vehicle. And brought him back. So he did endanger himself and the donkey by virtue of driving him down the road. But then at the end of the day, he did make the donkey back into a paddock that was enclosed. He still decided not to take a halter or lead rope from the witness and instead supposedly got approval from the sheriff's department based on their audio recording to shoot and kill the donkey. He did maim the donkey first and then he did the kill shot. So it was highly illegal. It was animal abuse and he should be held accountable.
0: Okay, so I think most of those things are pro- the product of an eyewitness account because there's somebody that did sort of witness everything that you've just described. So it's not...
2: Correct, as yeah. As far as
0: I know, it's not hearsay. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's, not, it's, it's yeah. incendiary and it's uh, super upsetting, but it's but it's not uh, it's not hearsay. Somebody did watch the whole thing that you just described unfold. So yes, as people might imagine, were you familiar with Jack, the mule? And I, I did have a little side note to myself I meant to ask you early on. Is it a mule or a donkey? because i kept thinking one it thing is and a
2: mule yeah, yeah it okay. Is a mule, but everyone says it's a donkey and so does the report so we kind of have to go with donkey
0: all right donkey. but i think i think in, in honoring jack properly uh, we we should at least note exactly what was okay so jack was a mule and did exactly you know jack it. did you know jack before this happened
2: no, we did not, but we yeah. did make contact with the owners, and they said that they had previously purchased Jack a month ago. So he wow. was a new pet for these owners Okay. And he got out the night before, around right. feed time, and the owner was in the hospital. Oh, geez. So to go to the hospital and to come back home finding out that the livestock contracted officer murdered your mule is not the way you would want to come home and be welcome to that new pet that you just brought home.
0: Right. Plus, it sounds like there'd be every reason to think Jack would be a little unsettled, disoriented if he's new to the uh, to the property. Uh,
2: exactly. And yeah. he had just had his hooves done. So he had been seen by a farrier and he was well cared for up until then. And there was nothing to say that he was going to be a danger to the livestock officer or the general public.
0: Yeah. So just to uh, jump ahead a little bit, just so I don't want to run out of time here. So he's now the the man who did this has now been charged with crimes, specifically charged with torturing and inflicting pain or serious injury uh, and um, and uh, uh, or death on an animal, and also inhumane slaughter of livestock. Correct. So correct. those are serious charges, which seems like, from what you've described and what I've read and heard and everything I've looked into, uh, seem to pretty much fit the crime, I guess.
2: Yes, they are very fitting charges, correct.
0: Yeah. Now, there was a, a press conference yesterday that people can track down on the Santa Rosa Press Gazette Facebook Page. So the man that did this has retained counsel, his attorney is Dan Stewart. And so the press conference was strictly him talking. Originally, people might have had reason to think that the man who shot the the mule, uh, Jack, uh, might have been presented there. But I guess that for legal strategy reasons or whatever, did not happen. So any observations just in our last moment here, um, Rochelle, about the press conference?
2: Well, the general observation is that the attorney did come ill-prepared. I don't think he did Anything good for Philip Hayes with being his attorney at that press conference. The press conference shouldn't have even happened. And it does lead the public to believe the exact happenings of what happened is that it was illegal. It was malicious. And it was brutal. So yesterday's press conference, it didn't do anything good for Philip Hayes, which is good for Jack.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed, I was surprised. I, I watched a video count, I guess the thing that was on that Facebook page. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, as some of the reporters kind of wondered them that were there, like, why are you doing this? Because the guy couldn't answer any questions really specifically Correct. about what happened. And they so said, well, what, you know, kind of why are we here? And then it, the attorney made promises of a, of a future press conference where things would be answered or things would be answered in riding more. But it seemed, just yes. seem odd, like, well, then why why does this exist when all you're doing is probably fanning the flames that hardly need fanning? So it just seemed exactly. odd. Yeah. So, Michelle, yeah, two we quick things. Next
2: time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So two quick things. Your yeah. website, your rescue is tinyacresnwflorida.org, correct?
2: It is. Yes, okay. Exactly.
0: So that's where people can find out more about you and the good work you guys do. And then I guess that's people can just kind of search for donkey, even though we know it's mule. Uh, Shot and just get updates that way and see if people want to weigh in or do anything as this story unfolds further uh, to see about making sure we get justice for Jack.
2: Exactly. And we will be updating our Facebook page as well. That's how you get the most up to date information on it. We will be following the case because we do want the family, we do want Jack the mule to get justice for what happened to him.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, meanwhile, thank you for taking time out of a busy day looking after uh, horses that need your help and appreciate your help. And we appreciate your help and your time today here on Talking Animals. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much, Duncan. I appreciate your
0: time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. invite you to join me next Wednesday for another edition of the show. Also invite you to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. Apple Podcasts are available too, as well as other podcast platforms. There are also links to our social media pages and a place where you can subscribe to our newsletter to find out about our guests a couple of days beforehand and other news from the Talking Animals world. That's all found at TalkingAnimals.net. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. My thanks again to both Phil Jenny and Rochelle Stewart for joining us today on Talking Animals. And uh, this is Talking Animals on WNF Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater Largo, Weekie, Watchie, and beyond. Izzy is in for Scott today again, so enjoy that. Coming up after NPR News headlines. Thanks.